us get past another day. I think we're gonna do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Modern Man Podcast, where we connect men in pursuit of their potential. Join us as we embrace discomfort, cultivate community, and put wind in each other's sails. If you're ready to take your personal and professional growth to the next level, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And don't forget to check out the Noble Knights Mastermind Group, where you'll find the support, accountability, and mentorship you need to achieve your goals. Join us and become a part of a community of like-minded men on a mission to improve themselves and elevate their capacity for life. I'm excited to introduce our guest, get some win in our sales from Mark J. Silverman, father, author, coach, speaker, podcaster, coming out of Virginia. Mark, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, brother. Thank you. I've been doing research on what you're doing. I love what you're creating, so I'm really happy to be here. It's an absolute honor, and, and I'm excited for, for the audience to get some of the gifts and the value that you have to offer. But before we jump into that conversation, I just want to take a quick moment, let you have the mic, let you have the stage. It's your show. Speak to the audience directly, introduce them, yourself, let, you know, let them know who you are and uh, how you got here today. How did I get here today? I, uh, how did I get here today? I'm, I, I'm, I'm not tired of myself on camera and on mic. You know, so I, I like to hear myself talk. Uh, let's see. But what's, what is it about me? I love, I love talking about the fact that I'm a dad uh, first, because that's, that seems to be the role that's most important uh, and, and most fulfilling. The fact that I'm a dad is a miracle, given the way I started life. Uh, you know, I started life as a drug addict and an alcoholic, a sex addict, uh, you know, basically, you know, kind of, kind of not a going human concern. So yeah. there was really no indication that I was going to survive, let alone thrive to raise two magnificent young men and, uh, you know, you, you know, and have a career and be able to impact other people's lives. Uh, so that's why I, I like to just say, I'm, you know, I'm proud to be a dad. No, I, I love that. And, and kind of sitting right there, how important, and I guess in fatherhood, kind of knowing the path where you've come from and you, you have these young, these young humans who are, who are growing and becoming people of their own, how important is it for you to, I guess, try and, and, you know, teach them everything you didn't know, right? We always hear, I want to give my kids everything I never had, but like, I think it's so important to teach them the things that you never knew. What, what are some of those approaches for you like? Well, actually, it's so interesting. I never thought of this. I, my kids got everything I never had, mm -hmm. right? My kids grew up in status symbol land. My kids grew up, you know, playing sports and having every piece of equipment that they needed, you know, what, you know, they had their college paid for, all that stuff. Uh, and and learning how to teach my kids reality and humility and perspective, mm. uh, you know, in the middle of that, because for me, being you know, growing up the way I did, and then uh, ending up the way I did, and then being in an affluent neighborhood uh, was was a far it was a foreign country to me. Mm -hmm. So I kind of was learning those ropes along with my kids so to help keep them grounded in what's real and what the what the rest of the world looks like was really important to me now they grew up both my kids are adults uh just so grounded so centered uh so caring of other people that something something worked uh, uh for me you know who they were was more important than what they did so my my youngest son is an orthodox rabbi he's trained to be an orthodox rabbi and I mean, ultra, ultra Orthodox rabbi. And he's so joyful and so grounded and so centered. And he was such a goofball in high school and, you know, to, you know, getting into trouble and all kinds of stuff. 
And I said to him once, I said, dude, where did, you know, I was joking. I said, where did I go wrong? Because, you know, he wears a black suit and he has a long beard and, you know, he can't, uh, he can't listen to women singing and, you know, and Martina McBride was like his life. Um, and, I, and I said, you know, where did I go wrong? And he goes, it's where you went right, dad. I'm just like you. Yeah. I, I'm doing what you do only in my path. And, you know, like, like that is, is, you know, who my son be is a direct reflection of who I am. My older son is, you know, kind of the most honest, most, most level-headed, most um, fair human being I've ever met. Uh, so, so my, the way I grew, the way I changed after I was homeless, after I was a bit of a degenerate, after I didn't have those skills, like a, as an adult, to see that they got the best parts of me is yeah. is really uh, a blessing. Man, that's that's amazing because you know we always hear kids. You tell them this, you tell them that, but they're they're gonna emulate someone. They're gonna emulate who's above them. And and we talk a lot on the podcast about you know young boys finding men to emulate, whether it's a father in the household or someone they see on TV, social media, or what. They're going to emulate another man and and following those footsteps. And clearly the way you've shown up in the world, the way you've shown up in their lives ha has guided them down that proper path. Let's talk about your path, right? And the development that you've seen because growth can obviously come out of a, a seed. You have this beautiful oak tree, but in, in the seed, you don't see that it's a tree quite yet, right? Right. Where was your mindset at 27, homeless, living out of your truck, where was your mindset at that young age when you mentioned kind of those darker days? Um, did you know you had a tree within you or were you kind of just stuck in the dirt and didn't know where you were going to get your water? No, I didn't know where I was going to get my water. I thought I, I, I really didn't think I was going to live. I didn't think I was going to be, uh, you know, live to 30. I didn't, I just didn't expect that. I thought I was basically the scum of the earth that I didn't deserve to live. Uh, and that I had screwed over everybody I've ever met. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty bad. I just had no self-worth or self-esteem whatsoever. So no, I didn't know there was an oak. It's, it's so funny because when I was a kid, my mother, you know, I could do no wrong in my mother's eyes, even though I was, you know, dealing drugs and doing all this stuff. And, you know, she'd say, you'll be the first Jewish president. And, uh, and, you know, so like I was told I was going to be great but I never backed any of it up, right? Like I just never, you know, I didn't make it through two months of college at a community college. Like I didn't make, I, I was busy drinking, right? The biggest honor I had was named best bartender in New Haven, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. uh, like that, that was it. And that was because I was doing cocaine in the bathroom with the guy who wrote the article, right? <laughs> like that, 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 so, so there was no indication for me whatsoever. Uh, that 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 was the case. Uh, so it was it was getting sober. It was taking a you know my brother got me sober, uh, and uh, uh, I, he told me I, you know I could live with him for a while if I went to the gym, hmm. and I went to AA and NA meetings with him, and then I enrolled in college and I was twenty seven years old. So I did those things right just to get food, and it was one step in front of the other. You know I waited tables and well into my thirties. Uh, and it was just one step in front of the other. And it was, it was funny because I was just thinking about this the other day. I was trying to think of who my role models were. Mm -hmm. uh, like who were the men I was going to emulate? Because I just didn't know how to be a man. 
it's it's so interesting to talk about on the Modern Man podcast to talk specifically about this. I didn't know how to be a man, uh, and my my heroes were um, George Strait, who is a country singer, only just because of the way he shows up and the way you know he's just so sober and masculine and uh, you know like the honor of that kind of thing. Uh, and then in the Tom Clancy novels, um, oh my God, I can't now I can't remember his name. The, the main character in all the Tom Clancy novels. Was it Jack Frank, Ryan? Jack, Jack Ryan, right? Yeah. Like Jack Ryan, Jack Ryan was my role model of who I could be as a man. And it was Michael Jordan um, and Cal Ripken. Uh, you know, and I didn't realize that Cal Ripken was not the man I would hope he would be. And uh, when I look at Michael Jordan today, I don't see a happy human being. Uh, which is kind of kind of sad for me, but those were the people that I those were the people who I just kind of like. All right, these are men, and these are who I'm going to emulate and try and try and be. Uh, and then I then I went. I remember a friend of mine had me go to this uh, men's weekend. Uh, you know, back back then, uh, 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 Robert Bly was a big thing, and. Uh, there was a bunch of uh, Wild at Heart was another book that was great. It was about the whole men's movement was starting, and it was this thing called the Mankind Project, yep. and it was this weekend where you you know you go for this really intense uh, um, weekend of confronting yourself and being confronted by other men, and and uh, I um, I just did like I just didn't know about masculinity. Like I just didn't, I, I never called myself a man. I always called myself a guy or, you know, something like that. Uh, and I, by that time I had two sons mm -hmm. and I still didn't understand what being a man was. Uh, the, the piece, the piece that we're, the piece that I'm talking around is that I'm married to a man now. I'm gay. Uh, even though I have a beautiful ex-wife and, you know, mother of my children. Um, when I was homeless and all that, uh, you know, I was, I was not, I was, I was kind of feminine and I was, you know, you know, drunk and it was a real mess. So when I came through the other side and decided I wanted to marry a woman and I worked through some of those issues, um, I was really looking for that masculinity. Mm -hmm. And it was in, it was in one of those programs. It was in actually one of the ex-gay kind of conversion therapy kind of things, which are kind of gross and kind of hateful. Uh, but I got a little nugget out of that because one of the things they said was I disassociated from my masculinity, my manhood. Uh, and they were right because I was molested as a kid. Like I, I had separated from my masculine self, even though, and that helped me as the father of two sons and as a husband learn how to put those two things back together to own my masculinity. One of the questions they asked was, how do you know you're a man? And I couldn't answer the question. This is, you know, they, like they stood there stone faced and you couldn't walk in the door to this, to this week, weekend until you could answer, how do you know you're a man? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And then finally they said, you have testicles. I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck, that was so easy. I knew that. You're like, wait a minute. But I will say, you know, now, uh, over, you know, now learning those things, I am one of the strongest men I know. I am a powerful leader, right? Even though I'm married to a man, now I can walk into any room, right? And I take my space and I can lead any group of men or women or humans mm -hmm. uh, because I've owned all of that. So my journey was a little further than most and, uh, and, and, it's, and it's quite integrated now.
Yeah, Mark, man, that that's amazing. And thank you so much for sharing that. Cause you know, the way you show up and and you emulate your your energy, your presence very much so on the podcast. I could feel it and I appreciate it. When it's interesting because I I'm careful because you know, you know, I in my professional life, I'm not in the closet, but I'm not, I don't, I don't put the fact that I'm married to a man out there because I, I'm an executive coach who happens to be gay, who happens to be married to a man. I don't want to be the gay executive coach. So it's mm -hmm. a fine line of owning who I am, but not letting it distract from what it is. I, because I, I coach really powerful people. I'm high profile. I don't, I don't want that to distract, yeah. but I don't ever shy away from it. Uh, and, and, and kind of integrating all of that, I think has made the special sauce of the impact that I get to make in the world. Yeah, I think it, you know, who we are makes us good at what we do, but what we do is sometimes what people are paying for or what people want to receive. And, you know, they they don't have to intertwine, but one does play into the other, right? Like who we are was is what allows us to do what we do so well. Um, and and you show up, which is why people hire you, which is why people pour into you and you've impacted thousands with with your amazing work. Um I'm interested to know when when your brother you know, extended the hand, right? And says, okay, let's, let's get sober. You can live with me for a while, go to the gym. You know, a, a lot of times change can come in two ways where it could be voluntary, where you're, you're like, okay, hey, I don't like where I'm headed. I don't like where I'm going, help me out. Or it could be kicking and screaming, right? Where it's like, listen, you, you need to get your act together because where you're going is, is not in a good way. How was that approach for you with your brother? Was it something that you voluntarily went into or was this like, this is my last resort. Neither. Okay. I think, I think, I think God was really kind to me there. Uh, <laughs> like uh, there, was, there wasn't a, there was a point where I was, I was in Seattle, Washington. I was driving around living in my truck and I drove to Seattle, Washington and I had no money left. I had nothing. And I was, I started looking for homeless shelters to go, you know, go find a place to sleep. And I remember that moment is if you go into the homeless shelter, you're screwed, right? You've given up, like if you, if you give up, you're screwed. And my brother, you know, and back, back then there were no cell phones. Uh, there were, you know, like you, you, I had a call collect on a pay phone. Uh, and, um, cause that was, that was 1989. Uh, and, uh, he said, come to DC and I'll lend you the money. And I said, how am I going to get to DC? He says, you've been driving all around <laughs> the country in your truck. You might as well just drive to DC. So I drove to DC. Um, and you know, he owned a bunch of really famous restaurants in DC and he had all these glamorous friends who were all in AA, but I didn't know that. Like all his glamorous friends were part of the AA and NA and all that stuff. Cause it was really in back in the nineties. You know, and, uh, so I got kind of whisked into this, this, these, these beautiful people, uh, and this lifestyle. So I was going to work. I was going to the gym. I was going to my AA meetings, going to work, going to the gym, going to my AA meetings, taking a class, doing all that stuff. So I didn't have, a, I didn't, it just was where I was. Mm. Right? And there was a point where there was temptation, right? So at this point, at this point, uh, I had gone through the conversion therapy, all that stuff. And uh, I was date, I was dating women. And I remember I was in the steam room in the gym. And this really rich, famous guy was in the steam room with me. He was married with kids and uh, he makes a pass at me. And, uh, and like, again, rich, famous, glamorous, right? And I'm, I have no self-esteem. 
Uh, and uh, he makes a pass at me and he says, you know, you up for this? And I said, no, that's not my path. That's not what I want to do. He goes, come on, you know you're into this. I said, I'm not. Now, I, there was a part of me that wanted to be taken care of. Like I, like I didn't know I could make my own way in the world. He said, I'll get you an apartment. I'll take care of you. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to. So, and I think that was, a, you know, you, you asked me to be authentic on this podcast. I'm please, talking about, no, I've fun, never talked fun. about, I've never uttered this to another human being in my life that this happened. And I think that that was a pivotal moment of me choosing me yeah. and not choosing uh, the weaker part of me. If, if, that, if we talk about that yeah. uh, and that set the trajectory uh, of my life. Good for you, man. That's amazing. Is that where you, I would say, um, you know, where the seed starts to crack and the, and the leaves start to show, right? Because um, a lot of us, we don't grow overnight. And you mentioned from 27 to 10 years later, millionaire, right? That path and, you know, the nose to temptation, the adjustments, the choosing you day in and day out, you know, like going to the gym, Two weeks, we don't see progress. Three weeks, we don't see progress. As a matter of fact, a couple months, it's probably someone else who sees something different in us before we see it within ourselves. I'm curious in that process and, and through those, those those days, weeks, years, months, um, when did the, the mark we know today start showing? When did the, the, the branches start expanding? And, and you thought to yourself, okay, I, I like who I am, where I'm going and what I'm becoming. Only in hindsight, only in hindsight. I love that you said that. Yeah, it was because I was just keeping the glue together, putting one foot in front of the other. I remember, well, early in my AA days, and when I was sober, um, one of the other women in AA looked at me and she goes, "How come your sneakers are so white and your T-shirts are so white?" <laughs> and it was because I was covering up all the inadequacies. Mm. It was, you know, like I had to be squeaky clean uh, and recycle and do all these things to make up for the dastardly past. The fast forward to, I, you know, when I when I when I got a, a job in sales and I started to become successful uh, and I started to make money, uh, I bought Hugo Boss suits. I remember buying my first hundred and twenty five dollar tie and joking to people that I bought, you know, I wear I wear one hundred and twenty five dollar ties to cover my inadequacies. Mm. Right, got married and I had kids. Uh, still, again, believing my own press in one way, like thinking, "Oh, this is who I am now. I'm a, you know, I make money hand over fist. I'm successful. I'm the committee chair for the Boy Scouts. Right, I'm the third grade basketball coach. I'm, I'm freaking amazing." Until my insides caught up with my outsides, mm. there was still inner work to do. Even though on the outside I drove a sports car, I had a million dollar house, I had all this stuff. On the inside, I was still that homeless guy. I was still that broken guy who haven't, hadn't dealt with the trauma of being molested, right? I hadn't dealt with the trauma of certain aspects of my childhood. So how, when this mark showed up was when my marriage fell apart, my I couldn't sell anything, my health fell apart, stone cold sober in 2008, 2009, uh, and I found myself in an apartment sick my career in the toilet all by myself around the corner from my ex-wife and my kids uh, and suicidal and wanting to die like stone cold sober, which I couldn't figure that out um, 
that this guy built back, mm. right? I, I made the decision and uh, I, I made the decision that year in 2008 or 2009 uh, that I was, uh, I thought I was going to die. I was pretty sure I was going to die because I was so sick. I decided I was going to make a million dollars to leave to my kids and my ex-wife. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was going to give $60,000 to charity because I hated myself and I needed to make up for what a piece of shit I was. And I was going to run the Marine Corps Marathon because I heard some guy on the radio say that everybody can run and anybody could run a marathon. So I called him. Again, no internet at that point. Uh, I call, uh, there was internet, but you couldn't do video like uh, stuff. I called him. I said, would you coach me to run the Marine Corps Marathon? And he said, yeah, I'll take you about a year and a half, two years to be able to do it. I said, I can't run a mile, but I'm not going to be alive. I need to run the Marine Corps Marathon in eight months because that's when it is. Uh, he said, well, well, I'll train you, but you can't do it. Uh, I wound up running the Marine Corps Marathon that year, uh, an hour faster than my best time uh, in practice. Uh, I made the million dollars in about a year and a half, gave the $60,000 to charity. Uh, while I was training, I was listening to every self-help book, every spiritual book, every positive psychology book. I was meditating. I was doing everything you need to do to get out of depression, to to, you know, I was forced into real sobriety, but uh, into real growth. And a few years after that, a little bit by little bit by little bit, uh, it took about four or five years after the Marine Corps Marathon when I was finally, you know, my career was great. My ex-wife and my kids were doing great. My health was great. Um, when I was finally sitting in my chair, reading a book called Relax into Wealth by Alan Cohen. Uh, and in the book, it said, uh, what if you treated yourself the way you treat everybody else in the world? What if you put yourself on the list the way everybody else? And I was in my apartment still I'm making bank. Uh, my kids and my ex-wife were in the, the million dollar house. They had, uh, I bought her a new Highland Toyota Highlander and a baby grand piano out of guilt and all that stuff. And I still had $7 Ikea tables and their old silverware. Right. Uh, I was like, put myself on the list. I'm not even on the list. Like I don't even exist. And then the thought hit me. I'm as precious as my children. Like mm -hmm. I was once a baby. I am as precious and loved by God as my children. And that was a freaking revelation. Like never had that thought in my life. Uh, and that's when uh, the new mark showed up where I was, I had made the decision that everybody in the world needs to know they're worthwhile. Everybody needs to know that God loves them, not in a religious sense, but that, you know, that I just know that God loves everybody. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I had, I had to, I had to tell everybody. So that was, the, that was the change. You've had two comebacks. And, and I, and I would say that first comeback to your point where you mentioned being squeaky clean. So many of us clean up our lives and we use the, the sobriety we use the the job and the car and we end up using stuff to replace our previous vices and we say look I'm, I'm doing everything right but we haven't done the work within ourselves and as you mentioned the marathon running and and listening to these self-help books reframing our mindset is really the change and here you are triumphant and victorious on the opposite side of it all and and I love the servant attitude where it's, yeah, yeah, you know, let the secret out. You have to pour into others because, and, and I always say this, I, I think 
the people who are so generous and nice, they are so generous and nice because they know what it's like to hurt. Mm -hmm. And they don't want others to feel how they once felt. And and, and I, I feel that in you. I see that in you, Mark. And, and here you are pouring into others, helping others navigate their overwhelm, their mindset. So here in the podcast, I, I would love to, for you to talk to the listener right now who's who's here hearing your amazing story and your testimony of what you've been through and how you come out on the other side, what would you tell someone who's currently sitting in a situation that they might be feeling overwhelmed? They might have bills piling up. They might have family demands. They might not fully accepted who they are quite yet, and they don't know how to show up in the world. How do we start making that shift in ourselves? First thing is to know it's one foot in front of the other. That is not a cliche. Like if you, if it's, if you're, if you're in it and you're in it bad, don't quit, don't quit, right? There is gold in whatever situation you're in, uh, mm. no matter what it is. And uh, I, I can promise you, and uh, you know, I only gave you, I gave you the highlights of the hell that I went through. If you're going through hell, just keep going. That's a great cliche. The other is uh, Pema Trojan, uh, uh, Buddhist nun uh, who's written many books, talks about how when tragedy happens, when something bad happens in your life, you have two choices. You can harden and close or soften and open. And I made the decision that I was going to soften and open, that I was going to use my pain as a way of having compassion for others, of a way to connect with others. The other piece is to allow help. It's so hard to allow help, especially when you feel like the scum of the earth mm -hmm. and there's people reaching out their hands to you and you're like, I don't deserve help. You totally deserve help. One foot in front of the other, you totally deserve help. The other piece is that, um, you know, uh, Byron Katie, another, another author that I love to, to quote, she wrote a, a, a book called Loving What Is. And uh, in, in a lot of these books and a lot of things that I teach is most of our suffering is in our mind. In fact, all of our suffering is in our mind. We could be in pain, but our suffering is in our mind. It's, it's uh, what we make things mean. Uh, and if you're sitting there with the bills piling up and you see no way out, and I was $100,000 in debt, right? And I saw no way out. If you see no way out, if you're sitting in a chair, that person sitting in a chair has no idea whether they're $100,000 in debt or a multimillionaire, right? It's only in your mind, those things. Now, yes, when you go to pay a bill or that kind of thing, you're, you're going to be confronted with a thing. Mm -hmm. But wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes. And in any given moment, in any given second, even if you're in the hospital room with things stuck in you, check to see if you're safe in this particular moment. Right, because you got to you got to get to, you got to get away from the wreckage of the future and whatever distorted story you made up about the past. You can always deal with the present moment. You cannot deal with the future. It hasn't happened. It's all made up. Uh, it's just a car crash that you keep living and living and living that's never happened. And the past is you don't even remember it correctly. You don't even know what happened in the past. You just made shit up about it. Something happened and you made shit up. About it. The present moment right here, right now, sitting in this chair, listening to this podcast, right? Cooking dinner, whatever you're doing, 
that's the only reality there is. And if you can get yourself into that moment, uh, and I know it sounds like a game, like you're playing a game on yourself, like, no, I'm still $100,000 in debt. No, in that moment, right? Now, if you can let go of the past and the future and everything you think about it, there's a creativity. There's a, there's a calmness that comes so that you can start having ideas that you never had. You can, start, you can start being in relationship and hearing things that you never could hear before. Something will come on the radio. You'll read a book or a stupid meme on Instagram that'll have the clue for you. But if you don't relax and if you don't allow yourself to be present, you won't hear it as readily, right? Uh, this, uh, I'll tell you a quick story this morning. So I'm writing my new book. And, uh, uh, and uh, boy, I'll tell you, the last, the, the last, 0.2 miles of a marathon is hell. And the last 0.2 miles of writing a book is where it's how I just told my book coach. I said, Oh my God, I'm now to the point of the book where I freaking hate it. And I want to kill myself. And she's like, now you're finally writing your book. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, that's what I am. So, so I, I, I write in the morning. Cause that's when I'm clear and the ADHD doesn't bother me. So I get on my meditation cushion and I take out my, my laptop and I sit and I meditate and I pray and I do a specific prayer. Uh, to to clear to clear you know what I think the agenda should be and all that stuff, um, and the and the there's a summary coming out of my book in about two weeks uh, until the book comes out and it has links to all my podcasts and my worksheets and all that stuff. And now I'm not a guy who checks anybody's work ever. Like I have ADHD. If it's done, I want it in the rearview mirror. Yep. So I finish my prayer without even thinking. I open up that document. And I go through all the links and every link is broken mm. in a document I'm about to put out to the world. Send it to my book publisher. I tell, tell you know, tend, do everything that needs to happen and get them all fixed and all that stuff. And then I close my laptop to go feed my dogs. And I went, Oh, I did my prayer. I did my meditation. I got centered and grounded and intuitively I knew where my attention needed to be to go fix something that would have gone out broken because somebody missed it. And I went, I ate my own dog food right there. Like I, <laughs> I lived what I'm telling people. So you, if you can get present and if you can get yourself calm and safe, you'll see things, you'll hear things, you'll know things that you didn't know before. I love that. I, I, I that was a really long that. answer to your No, to your no, I, I love it because there, there was so much value in there and something you just said, I ate my own dog food. I think I heard you say that on Twitter and I was thinking, I was like, ate my own dog food. But it's it's so true. And one of my mentors, he used to say, are you a product of your product? As in, you know, are you doing the same thing that you're feeding others? And, and that's so amazing when you talk about being present and, and it sounds like your morning routine is is slowing down and one thing I, I saw you posted a while ago talking about, uh, I want to talk about the all gas, no brakes, because a lot of us probably, we think, man, like I have the to-do list, I'm running a business, there's competition. If I ease up for one second, Mark, you don't understand. If I stop for one second, my competition is going to get an edge on me. But now they're, they're burnt out and they can't maintain the speed at which they, they, they put themselves in or to your point, what you just mentioned, they're not in the moment to really put their attention where it should be. So kind of, I guess, break down that routine for you where how important centering and that prayer is for you in terms of slowing down, not being all gas, all brakes. So the funny thing is the burnout is the ultimate result of being that way. 
right? Yeah. But nobody, especially, uh, you know, I'm 60 years old. I know that I can do anything you can do as long as I get a nap. Time out. (laughs) You're 60 years old. I need everybody that's listening on the podcast to go to the YouTube video and look at this handsome man. (laughs) (laughs) So, so... (laughs) Um, again, it's so funny whenever I get around young people, they're like, how do you look so young? I'm like, well, I haven't had a drink in 33 years. They're like, yeah, what else? <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. All right. I moisturize, but fuck, no, it's the drinking. <laughs> um, no, but the, the end result is the, is the, is the burnout, mm-hmm. but you won't believe in the burnout. Nobody who has all that stamina and all that energy to keep grinding realizes that there's burnout until they have burnout. What I will tell you is if you live that way, you have no traction, right? You are spinning your wheels and you are running three, four, five times as hard to get just as far as if you slowed down, as if you actually understood where you are, where you want to go, what steps need to happen, right? You have to slow down to the speed of relationship, slow down to the speed of life in order to be able to actually have most of your actions count. You can get really successful. They say, you know, in order to get successful, you need to say yes to everything. In order to become really successful, you need to say no to almost everything. Mm. So there's 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 a balance at the beginning, but if you're burning, you know, your wheels so hard, you're not, you're not getting anywhere. You want to make your work count. Now, again, when you're in middle age and when you're 60 years old, I know I have to make what I do count because I don't have the energy that I had before, right? I can't do five extra things in the day. I have to make my stuff count. But when you don't, when it's not a necessity, you have to listen to people like me and just take our word for it. And then you'll see for yourself, you know, anybody who has a morning routine, when I talk to my clients all the time, they, they, you know, they, they balk at my morning routine. And I'm like, look, I don't show up automatically as Zen master flash here. Like I, I, this is not Mark, right? Mark is ricochet rabbit. I have ADHD. I have trauma from childhood. Like, like I'm vain as shit, like all kinds of stuff. Mark shows up like this because Mark gets up at 520 in the morning, right? And he does his meditation. He does his journaling. He talks to God and gets right with himself. And then he shows up. (laughs) I wish I showed up like I wasn't naturally a different, but you know, if I, but if I can put myself together to be this guy, fine, I'll do what I need to do because I make a lot more money when I'm this guy. Right, I make more impact when I'm this guy. I'm happier when I'm this guy. Like I'm much happier, which I care about. Right, my my well, I know billionaires who are freaking miserable. I know people who are really really good looking who are freaking miserable. I'm like, you have six packs abs. Why should you be miserable? Right, I've never been able to get six packs abs. I, you know, it's none of that stuff. Right, it's an inner game. It's an inner state. Right, you can be poor and happy. You can be, you can be out of shape and still be happy. You can like all these things. It's an inner game. thing. And if you play the inner game and learn how to make money, that's the secret. <laughs> right. Then you can hire a trainer and get, you know, like I have a trainer. Like, and work on it. It's important. Yeah. 
you mentioned you were working on the book and uh, I also know you, you host a podcast. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the work that you're doing, pouring into others and, and, and really kind of teaching others how to show up as their best selves. Because just like you, I have my morning, my evening routine. I wake up at two 20 in the morning. So my routine like starts the night before because nice. I have to wake up and, and, work for the, my TV station and all that. But to your point, I don't just wake up like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to go. There's there's a process. I, I wake up. I listen to my Bible verse. I listen to uh, a book, and then I meditate in the last few minutes to work. I drive in silence. I have a recording of my personal statement that I listen to every day, um, and that helps me address the day and everything I need. I practice my gratitude. So I would love to highlight, again, the book you're working on, last last two and a half miles i know it's a, it's a it's a struggle but you'll get there but uh and the podcast share it with folks uh some of the work that you're putting out into the world so first i will say i'm a liar i'm a complete liar what i tell you right now is not what i really care about so the new book is called the rising leader handbook uh turning you know how to how to make uh high achievers into effective leaders right mm -hmm. uh the podcast is the same thing we've uh, we've rebranded everything to what i actually do for a living which is work with c-suite executives to help them become better leaders right um i help people get promotions more money uh you know have leadership bearing grow up all that stuff uh so that's how i make my money that's what i'm working on that's what my book is that's what my program is i don't care about any of that mm -hmm. what i really care about is what you and i are talking about I care about people's experience when they're going through that, right? So I know a lot of people who are really successful, who are destroying their marriages, who are destroying their health, uh, right? That, that, that unspoken agreement we make to be in the 1%. Mm. Uh, and I'm really tired of watching people die for success, for a title, for money. You know, so I really, really enjoy success. I enjoy leadership. I enjoy these things but I use them as a tool to get people to understand where fulfillment comes from, where happiness comes from, where connection and relationship come from. Uh, so when I, when someone gets a promotion, yay. Uh, I love it. When someone gets more money, that's awesome. They probably could have done it without me. Um, but when someone says my marriage is different, my blood pressure's down and I stopped taking medication since I started talking to you, I'm I was just talking to a client this morning and he said, you know, Mark, remember the, the first conversation we had and I'm supposed to be helping him grow his business. And he said, in the first conversation, you said, you asked me if I was happy. I said, I did. He goes, yeah, you asked me if I was happy. And I said, not really. No. And he says, I now have, uh, I have moments where I'm joyful and happy. I have moments where I feel fulfilled. Right. Uh, that will break me down to tears, mm. right? He, he's doubling his business in the time we're working together. That's nice. But if he was still miserable and not happy, what good is it? Mm -hmm. Right? So the Rising Leader program is all about making an impact in the world, making an impact on your people, making an impact on the team that you're on, uh, the other leaders, uh, helping you know, the CEO uh, leading up. Uh, but it's also about becoming the man or woman, you know, you can be, you talked about reaching your potential. Yeah. Right? We'll never reach our potential, but our, you know, is our potential scoring baskets is our potential making money or is our potential who we are in the world? Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, how, you know, I know people who use martial arts or money, you know, success as vehicles for that. And that's great. Well, ultimately who are you in the world and what impact do you have on the people around you to me as the measure of success? 
I love that. I love that. And I, I have strategically used the words, the pursuit of potential, because it, I think it is going to always be a pursuit, right? There's, mm -hmm. there's no destination and he who loves the destination won't go as far as he who loves the journey. So we, we continue to pour Ooh. into ourselves and that was, and, that was a new one. I like that. Yeah. Hey, it's yours. <laughs> um, but also kind of what you, you mentioned, I, I could see you, you teaching your clients to put themselves on the list. Like you mentioned, treating other people, how you would treat yourself. Right. And yeah, they made that agreement. That's unspoken agreement to be in that 1%, get that success. But in doing so they've neglected themselves because they've attached themselves to something superficial, something sure that might be measurable, but not to the experience in terms of how they feel and, and how they show up for themselves. Mark, this is this has been amazing, and I know we can go on and on and on, but I I want to make sure that our audience um, has a way to connect with you, follow the work you're doing, hire you if they're in a position where they need to put themselves on that list and they need a little help doing so. So so please, how can they find you, follow you, and what links can they can they hit? Uh, so just if they just go to markjsilverman.com, mark the letter jsilverman.com, they can get a free copy of my book, Only Tens. They can get all kinds of resources for free. They can find the podcast. They can find the Rising Leader program. Uh, they can get on the waiting list uh, uh, for my one-on-one -on -one coaching. Uh, I'm blessed with a full practice, which is really nice. Um, yeah, that's the way That's the way to get in touch with me. And I have a camera in my face all the time on Twitter and Instagram because <laughs> I can't get enough of myself. I love it. Well, I'm following you on Twitter as well. And uh, I'm I'm new to Twitter. I'm still building that, but I'm following you. I'm looking forward to absorbing more of your content, Mark. And I'll have that link in the show notes for folks to just uh, go ahead, open up the description, open up the show notes, hit that, and they'll be driven right to your sources. But uh, just wanted to say thank you so much for showing up as you are, as who you are, and, and sharing what you do with us today. Uh, thank you. It's a real pleasure to connect with you. Absolutely. And I'm going to recap some of the gems that you left along the way, if you don't mind, because as we mentioned, I know some folks while listening are working out or as Mark said, maybe you're cooking, which uh, about five more minutes left on that chicken. Don't forget to flip it. I like my steaks medium as well, but um, who they are on versus what they did, right? When, when Mark was talking about his kids and, and really looking at what was important and so much of us, it's not just about who someone is. It's more about who they are, not necessarily what they do. And it's also true for ourselves, how we show up in the world. And uh, kids saying, I'm just like you, for, for the men listening, what kind of example are you putting out for those around you? Your influence will extend more than just your children, extends more than just your household. There are people in the community, people on social media who see how you show up as well. And you never know who's taking notes. Uh, who are your role models? Who are you emulating? Who are you trying to be like? And how does that affect how you show up in the world? Um, just keeping the glue together. So many of us could wake up day in and day out, feel inundated and, and stuck in the mud. And we're just moving like molasses. And we're simply just trying to keep the glue together. Where, like Mark said, when you're going through hell, keep going one step at a time. Forgot who said, you know, hell is no place to stop. So keep on marching forward and get through that storm. Don't quit. And then you have two choices when life hits you. You can harden and close or you can soften and open. The water that boils the egg and hardens the egg is the same water that softens the carrot. So which one are you choosing to be? And then allow yourself to be helped and then ignore the potential wreckage of the future and don't believe the destruction story of the past 
focus on the present. And maybe you have to slow down in order to do that. You might be all gas, no brakes, living with no traction, kind of like that dog running in place on the hardwood floors, can't really get anywhere. That's what you look like <laughs> working so hard each and every single day. No traction, slow down to speed up in life. And of course, uh, do the inner work. Do the inner work. Don't use the superficial things as a mask. Don't use vices as a mask. Confront your inner demons. Do the inner work. Get help if you need to. Speak to a professional if you need to because you deserve to show up in the world as your true self, your authentic self, and your best self and go out there and spread the love. Guys, thank you so much for rocking with us all the way to the end. If you got value from this, leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. Be sure to hit subscribe to catch a new episode each and every single week. The best compliment you can give us is by sharing this with a friend you know that would enjoy it as well. And be sure to give Mark a follow and a like and subscribe and reach out if you could use his services as well. As we always say at the end of the podcast, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's go. Let's get past the day. I think we're gonna do a great job.